DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that faith's past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. In the opening chapters of the Acts of the Apostles, we learn that before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem so that they could be baptized by the Holy Spirit. When about 120 of Jesus' disciples were gathered, the Holy Spirit came in the form of wind and fire. Filled with the Holy Spirit, the disciples understood that God had anointed them for a special mission. The Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches that confirmation perfects baptismal grace. It is the sacrament which gives the Holy Spirit in order to root us more deeply in the divine filiation. It incorporates us more firmly into Christ and strengthens our bond with the Church, associates us more closely with her mission, and helps us bear witness to the Christian faith in words accompanied by deeds. Confirmation, like baptism, imprints a special mark or an indelible character on the Christian soul. For this reason, one can receive this sacrament only once in one's life. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In this episode, we discuss with Archbishop George Lucas why confirmation matters. Welcome, Archbishop. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be with you always. Confirmation. And again, just to reiterate, that is the subject that you experience, that sacrament, probably more often than anybody else in this archdiocese. It's a big part of my life as a bishop, of course, and it's one of the happiest things I get to do to celebrate the sacrament of confirmation with mostly young people, sometimes adults, all around the archdiocese. I don't know all the people that I'm going to be confirmed confirming when I visit a parish, but it's on my schedule. And so I make a point of praying ahead of time for the people that I'm going to encounter uh, as we celebrate that that sacrament. And I'm also praying that as they receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that a little more of it will rub off on me because 
I realized the importance of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for all of us, particularly, though, as um, I exercise my own ministry. I rely on the wisdom and the fortitude, the, the various gifts that the Spirit makes available to us. And I'm confident that I'm being given what I need uh, to carry out the work the Lord gives me to do. I encourage those who are being confirmed to know the same thing, that they're being commissioned by the Lord to be his disciples, that has a missionary aspect to it, and so they're being equipped by the Holy Spirit, not just on the day of confirmation, but that's a, an ongoing presence in their lives. They're being equipped to, to do what the Lord is asking to witness their faith to others. It is a period of great preparation for the young in our parishes. And religious education programs have extensive structures and challenges in preparing that group of young people to receive that sacrament. And it really is important, too, that the parents understand and perceive their role as primary formators of those, as they are known, confirmandi. That's true, of course. We celebrate the sacraments with any person, not in isolation. That's the liturgy of the Church, and particularly with the sacraments of initiation. We're conscious that the one participating in the celebration of the sacrament is being incorporated more fully into the, the body of Christ. In a practical way, that means into their parish community, but they experience the parish usually through the family. The family helps make up the, the parish community. The parents then really are essential in the ongoing formation of young people for confirmation. We could do a better job with this, and I think we're all aware of that and trying various ways to involve the family in the preparation, not just for the sacrament. We see it as an opportunity for ongoing formation and for the parents to be renewed in an understanding of, of how the Holy Spirit is in their lives as, as well. I have to say I find the candidates for confirmation well-prepared everywhere that I go. It is a challenge, especially as the, they're young teenagers. Everything's a challenge in terms of inviting their participation in the life of the church and in their ongoing spiritual formation. But it is possible, and, and I see in some parishes and some areas, really effective programs, both for catechesis but also for spiritual formation. It's important that we know that regarding confirmation or any other sacrament, we don't earn the right, you might say, to celebrate the sacrament, or we don't earn the gift of the Holy Spirit by our preparation. This is a gift from God. God wants us to receive this outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the church. So we dispose ourselves, really, by our preparation. In a sense, we make room for the Holy Spirit to come in and live in us in, in a new way. We do that by prayer, by study, learning more about our faith. And for young people being confirmed, there's, a, I think, a particular opportunity for them to reflect with older, more mature members of the church, so sponsors, parents, teachers, to think about what, what it will mean for them to grow into a more mature disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a challenge for all of us, no matter what our age, to continue to mature and in our knowledge and love of the Lord and in our desire to serve him. We can focus on that challenge, that opportunity at the time of confirmation. It's quite wonderful. It's time of renewal in particular in the Archdiocese of Omaha with those who prepare our young people to receive this particular sacrament as well as any type of religious formation in the schools and, and in the catechetical programs, the School of Faith that has been brought into the Archdiocese of Omaha to kind of bolster the educators, the catechists, their understanding of the faith. If we're, as adults, going to be forming 
young disciples of Jesus, we have to be formed ourselves in some basic ways, but then also engaged in, in ongoing formation. So we try to offer those opportunities, and we're developing more and richer opportunities, I think, here in the Archdiocese for our catechists and for our Catholic school teachers and others who work in formation in our parishes and, and schools. We have focused, rightly, several generations now on the importance of, of catechesis, of instructing in the faith the, the students who are in our schools or programs, and especially who are preparing to celebrate the sacraments. And that will always be a part of our preparation and, uh, and formation. We're, we're seeing, though, that it's not always clear in our catechetical instruction, and I hold myself responsible for this too. It's not a judgment against anybody. It's not always clear that what's being offered is an encounter with Jesus Christ and that we know that Jesus is alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're able to encounter him in real ways, both individually as members of the church, but also, of course, in the, in the liturgy and in the celebration of the sacraments. It's that personal encounter with the Lord that's ultimately going to be transformative for us. We can be attracted by the church's teachings, and certainly having once encountered the Lord, we desire to serve him as our Lord, as our Savior, and the church provides for us the roadmap for how to do that through our teachings, which are all rooted in Christ, rooted in the scriptures. So we're trying to, to understand how to be more intentional about that, creating opportunities for that personal encounter, and then I think bringing on board and on our diocesan staff, people who are you know, practiced in helping accompany people on the journey towards Jesus and then on the journey out uh, on, on which he sends us to share the light of the gospel to be missionary disciples. The celebration of the sacrament of confirmation, you can see it throughout the liturgical year in some ways in the parish when parishes around the archdiocese will bring together those who have been formed in religious education programs and also those who have been formed in the Catholic school programs, they are brought together as individuals to be prayed over in various ways throughout the year as they're preparing for retreats or they're going, as they grow closer, you see that Holy Spirit is fostering a unity within that age group at, and among everyone in the parish at that time. Those are wonderful opportunities. We should take advantage of them when we have Young people are adults who are, are being formed and prepared to celebrate a sacrament, especially the sacraments of initiation, for the parish to be aware of them, to, to see them, to get to know them in some way. It's great if there are opportunities, even at the end of Mass, for example, for those who are being formed to perhaps give some brief witness about what they're experiencing you know, as they prepare for confirmation so that there really is a bond in a practical way that is experienced within the parish uh, between parishioners and those who are being formed for the sacraments. It's easy enough, I'm afraid, to kind of isolate our programs, and they might take place on Wednesday night or in the school, you know, during the school day. And when the parish community comes together for the weekend celebrations of the Mass, we don't advert to those other things that, are, that may be happening, which are related very integrally to the, the celebration of the Eucharist week by week. But again, as you say, parishes, a number of them look for opportunities to make that happen. And it, it doesn't take much encouragement for the ordinary people in the pews, we might say, to pray for those who are preparing for First Communion or for confirmation, marriage, you know, for reception into the church at Easter, whatever the, the preparation is. It's great effort is, is being made in the parish, and it's good to make everybody aware of it so, and invite the support of, of parishioners with their prayers for those who are being prepared. And people do that happily. One of the 
ways in which we may see the activity of preparing for this is what has been termed the service project hours. There's a danger, I think, sometimes in thinking of those, quote, service projects as tasks that have to be checked off so that you can receive the sacrament as opposed to an opportunity to experience something quite beautiful. As I said before, we don't earn the the sacrament or we don't earn the gift of the Holy Spirit by our preparation. The service hours or service projects leading up to confirmation, you know, can be misunderstood, I think, as can the celebration of the sacrament itself, that this is the, we can falsely think that the sacrament is just sort of one more credential that we want to have as we're growing up that that we've been confirmed. At the same time, uh, a mature disciple of Jesus who's filled with the Holy Spirit should be very much alert to the opportunities there are for service in the community and for an alert to the needs of our brothers and sisters. So to begin to school our young people in how to serve in the community. Uh, And again, some parishes do this very beautifully with adults who have this as part of their life regularly in various apostolates or organizations throughout the area where the young people live. Or maybe they, they can be connected with people even in their own homes, you know, doing chores for elderly parishioners or, or those who, you know, who might need some, some help from their neighbors. How we explain that and how we reflect on that experience with the young people is important in helping them see that this really is constitutive of the life of, of a disciple of Jesus. One of the reasons we're being given the gift of the Holy Spirit is so that we can go out of ourselves. Jesus has been very clear that we can't really love him, we can't follow him, we can't care about him if we ignore the needs of our neighbors. So this is part of the training, I think, in discipleship. And with the right explanation and the right reflection about it, it can be enriching experiences for the young people. We never want them to be simply pro forma. You know, they have to do so many things within a certain number of days or they can't be confirmed. That's not the way to approach it, of course. Reminds me of Holy Thursday. Christ called us to serve one another. We're modeling that, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Well, it's true. You give a good example. The Lord washing the feet of the disciples on Holy Thursday at the Last Supper and then being clear to them that what I've done for you, you should do for one another or others in the community. This is rooted right in the life and in the ministry of the Lord himself. And at that sort of climactic moment of his public ministry, he was both entering into a, a deep intimacy with the disciples washing their feet, sharing the Eucharist with them. So it's clear that the Lord wanted to remain in them, with them, through the Eucharist in the days and in the years ahead. But then there's also the commission, both with the Eucharist and the washing of feet. They're very closely connected. Do this. What I've done, you should do. So we see both the opportunity and the obligation to serve our brothers and sisters, again, in humble ways, not flashy and comfortable ways but in humble ways and in quiet ways. We see that rooted right in both in the example of the Lord himself, but also in the commission that, that he gives to us. Yeah, that's ultimately, as you said, you, it, it's, this is about encountering Christ. It's about meeting him and, and serving him in others. I think of the Blessed Mother where she said, do whatever he tells you. And so for them to understand what that whatever it is, that's the action of the Holy Spirit is listening to that. And as they're learning, they're really learning about the person of the Holy Spirit, aren't they? Well, sure, we hope so. Again, part of the, part of the preparation to come to understand the role of the Holy Spirit, the, the third person of the Trinity, in the life of the Church. The Holy Spirit is our personal connection with 
Trinity, we might say. That's, we can't divide it up so neatly. But when Jesus returned to the Father after his public ministry was finished, the time of the ascension, he promised the disciples that they would be given the gift of the Holy Spirit, again, to equip them to do what he was asking them to do, which was share in his saving mission, to preach the gospel, to serve, to serve the poor, to announce the good news to those who are waiting to hear it. The Holy Spirit, then, is the gift that's promised by Jesus to his disciples. The Holy Spirit doesn't fall on us like rain. Everybody gets wet when it rains. The Holy Spirit's not that kind of gift. The Holy Spirit is a personal experience of, of the Trinity given to those who Jesus is calling to be his disciples and who are in some way responding to that. We can never respond perfectly, and that response grows. The Holy Spirit helps us to help make the response more profound and more wholehearted as time goes on. It is part of our preparation then for the sacrament of confirmation and also our reflection on it. Those of us who have been confirmed, we stay confirmed. As we said earlier, the sacrament confers a special character on us, so it changes us in terms of our relationship with the Trinity and in terms of our relationship to the church and to the world. So once confirmed, we, we reflect on the beautiful truth that the Holy Spirit now lives in us and not a private gift given to me. We know that when gifts are given in the church, they're given for the enrichment of the community of believers as well as for my own good, of course. So as I look around and realize that the Holy Spirit is living in each of us, but all of us together, drawing us together into one body of Christ, it's a, a powerful incentive for me to remain active in the church and to see that I have something both to contribute and to receive as a member, an active member of the community of believers. I love that term, community of believers, it's communion, and it's with one another, as you said. And as there are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God knows that person so well. It's not about somebody gets more or less. It's just what is needed, isn't it? We all get more. Ah, we all right. get an abundance. And the, the, as we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's a way of describing how the Holy Spirit relates to us and equips us. Uh, do the work of a missionary disciple as well as remaining closer to the Lord. So we're sometimes conscious of a particular gift that is being offered or that, that we have received so that we can engage in a particular challenge or go through a difficulty or take advantage of, of an opportunity to grow in faith ourselves and, and to share faith with others. It's always a good prayer for those of us who have been baptized and confirmed to ask the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the day to give us what we most need not just to do what we want to do or to be successful, but to grow in our knowledge and love of Jesus so that we can serve him more faithfully throughout the day and be instruments of his love to others. So we sometimes do that before a particular project or before a class. found that it's helpful at the beginning of every day to kind of look ahead at the meetings and appointments and other things, maybe a confirmation later in the day, and to ask the Holy Spirit to help me be an effective minister of the gospel, an effective disciple of Jesus in each of those situations in a way that to give me the gifts that I need to do that, but also to be with us in what we do together so that God's will is realized and God is served and praised in what we do together. And then sometimes I'm very conscious of how that's happening. Sometimes I'm not so conscious, but I'm confident that if I'm open to that action of the Spirit, that gives the Spirit room to move in that situation, we might say. I love that openness to give me what I need, allowing God to be God. If we feel the, the need for an extra infusion of one or other gifts of, of the Holy Spirit at a particular moment, courage or, or wisdom, it's fine to ask for that because we know the Spirit bestows those, those gifts. And to the extent that, that we're 
that I'm conscious of my both of my own weakness or need, but also of the challenge that's how to mirror the need the needs of others. It's fine to do that, but I think always good to allow the spirit room, as, as I said. Again, we don't think the Holy Spirit needs space or even needs my permission to to act, but I think you know my consent, my participation in the work of, of the Holy Spirit enriches me and allows my work to become more fruitful. You know, I think that's really important, that openness, that disposition of, yes, or as the Lord himself taught us, your will be done. We, that willingness to be open. And that can be hard even, you know, whether it's for young people preparing for confirmation, it's also difficult for adults who sometimes think we know a little bit better. It's always a challenge. It was the challenge beginning with Adam and Eve, and it is for us today to be not only open to, but really wanting what God wants. And sometimes it's kind of clear to us what that is or what it, what it should be, but sometimes it's always not so clear. But to have our will in harmony with the will of God is to kind of be true disciples of Jesus because that was, was Jesus' will. That was his experience, you know, to, to be, as the gospel said, he'd come from God. He was returning to God. He was always open to receive the will of the Father and to give back in freedom his own will and harmony with the will of the Father. We are incorporated into Christ truly, and if we want him to be alive in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, then that should always be our desire. It isn't, of course. Sadly, we sin. We become willful. We take things into our own hands and say, even in a small way, I'm going to be God for myself in in this situation. That's why we need a Savior, of course, and why we need the healing that the Holy Spirit so that we can be more determined after sinning and receiving the gift of forgiveness and healing, be more determined to have our will conform to the divine will. It is amazing that we were able to identify seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Is, there, is it really just seven? Is, or could there be more? Yeah, those are named in the scriptures and beginning even in the Old Testament. It's a traditional way that we have in our Catholic teaching of talking about the work of the Holy Spirit and our experience of how the Spirit works in and in and through us. There's a lot of things we can say about the action and the work of the Holy Spirit. So we think in terms of abundance, not in terms of we've exhausted the work of the Spirit by naming certain gifts. It's good to see them because they're part of our tradition and, as I said, rooted in Scripture. They do help us understand what we're experiencing as the Spirit lives and, and works in us. And it, it helps in terms of teaching to those who are being initiated, what they can look forward to and, and expect. Very beautiful, powerful gifts. We really see what they call the fruits of the Holy Spirit during that Easter season period where we hear stories from the Acts of the Apostles. It is after Pentecost, and you see a Peter before who is fearful and hiding, and then you see one who has courage to speak. and has an understanding and a knowledge and a fortitude to be able to do what he needs to do. Those gifts are available for us in abundance, aren't they? Right. We talk about the fruits of, of the Spirit, and they're, we might say, the visible evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work and that an individual or a community is, is cooperating with the life of the Spirit that's given to us. As they're listed, 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit, again, that's not an exhaustive list, but it's a beautiful way of saying, what do we see in the Christian community that gives us the evidence both of the presence of the Spirit and our cooperation? And it begins with charity. 
of course. So that again, going back to that account of the of the Last Supper from from Saint John, where Jesus washes the feet of of the disciples and then tells them what I've done, you, you should do. He's reminding us that charity must always be uh, constitutive of the life of the individual, uh, but also the life of of the community. When people think of the church, when people either inside or outside look at at the community of believers and ask themselves, what do I see there? You would hope that pretty quickly they would say, I see charity. And I've experienced charity from the the kindness of these members of the body of Christ or as I'm brought into the the experience of, of the community myself. You know, you mentioned the Acts of the Apostles. The scholars tell us it was the grace of God was at work, of course, but one of the things kind of on a human level that attracted people to the Christian community and to the life and the work of the gospel at the very beginning was that Christians loved one another and that they extended that love in a respectful way to others as part of the invitation to, to, to come to know Jesus. Go through all those fruits of the Spirit in kind of the same way. We don't have time to explain and, and, and reflect on, on each of them. Um, but it, I think, you know, when as we examine our own lives day by day and as sometimes as a parish community, for example, we reflect on our life in, in Christ together, both internally but, but also as in our experience as, as missionary disciples. It's a helpful examination to look at, the, uh, at this list of, of the fruits of the Holy Spirit and to see if there's something maybe that's missing that we would hope to see in terms of fruitfulness, but it, it isn't there, and then what's blocking that? What might we invite from the Holy Spirit or what might we do ourselves or do away with that would make it possible for the, the, this fruitfulness to increase. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. We'll continue our conversation with Archbishop George Lucas on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the Sacrament of Confirmation in our next episode. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.